All right, so another screencast edition of the All Around Podcast, talking big time DC films, DC Warner Brothers films from their fandom event over the weekend, which was, I don't know, did you see any of the fandom stuff or no? I didn't see the event, but I saw um, the trailers. Okay. Uh, it was it was not, I mean, it was about as corny and cringy as normal Comic-Con stuff. It was hosted by Isha Tyler, but it's like, it's all these people that's like, you know, they show the trailer, it's like, oh my god, that was that was amazing, wasn't it? It's like, it was fine. It was fine. Um, so, they released a new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. Ca- Captain Marvel, uh, DC's version of Captain Marvel, basically, the 80s throwback movie. Right? Uh, well, Captain Marvel was the 90s, but Okay, I see where you're going. Well, um, it was? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah, early 90s. Yeah, it was early 90s. Um, I I liked it. I You know, her lassoing between the lightning bolts, I thought that was pretty cool. I think uh, Kristen Wiig as the villain. I like Kristen Wiig. I think she could be cool. The only problem with the villain, I'm just getting really vivid Electro memories from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh because she kind of has like this nerdy kind of dorky thing going. And then she all of a sudden kind of turns into this badass out of nowhere. But it's also like, you know, I had nothing and you had everything and da 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 da. And I'm just like, like okay. Is, isn't the movie trying to lean into, um, you know, everyone hates the 1980s now because it was sort of the uh, era of greed you know, the, well, yeah, you know, that's Wall Street and that's stuff what like that. Pedro Pascal's character is based on. He's based on Gordon Gecko. Uh, Patty Jenkins oh. came out and said that. Right, but it's the want of I want, I want, I want, and she is sort of seeing Wonder Woman and saying I want that, and that is. Yeah, I'm saying it's her undoing. I'm not saying it's her undoing because she she goes after what she wants. So yeah, um, bringing back Chris Pine. Um, so they're basically taking the fish out of water trope that Diana was in the first movie and making that mm-hmm. for Steve Trevor in the 1980s. And then they're going to try and say how, look, we're doing the same thing, but different. Stupid. Um, I think I, I think that was also the chemistry between the two of them was really good. Let's find a way to, oh, yeah. uh, to bring them back together. And whether the original script had that happening before, they sort of made that happen um, because boy, it really worked, and D- DC saw that they made a movie that people generally didn't hate, and it had the two of them in it. Let's try to at least recapture that magic appeal, whatever. So, yeah, I get it. I get, I, I get them wanting to do it. it. It makes sense why they want to do it. It'll be interesting the so. reasoning, like what they, the mental gymnastics they do to try and bring him. Like this is why Steve Trevor's back. Because if you watch. If you watch some uh, YouTubes with Easter egg explanations, they sort of explain it. Oh, so uh, well, and, I just think and, and the like risk is ruining back. the movie. So right, I just think like bringing him back, you risk kind of lessening the impact of the sacrifice in the first movie. But you know, it, I, I I mean, Chris Pine's a really good actor. He sells the whole like, these parachute pants. Do, do people mm-hmm. do parachute? like he sells it? It's just okay. We did this before. I see we're doing it again. Just it's a different character. Uh, Pedro Pascal is playing Maxwell Lord, who I had to look up to learn like what his power was. Um, what is his power? Other telepath- than he's got a telepathic yeah. persuasion. Um, so, so 
So he's basically so going to be the puppet the behind. He's the yeah. purple guy or yeah. whatever. The purple man from uh, Jessica Jones, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, um, but it's like, I, I, you know what they're going to do? Is they're going to do a thing with him and Kristen Wake's character, Barbara, whatever, Cheetah. And they're going to do this thing like, oh, the man was like control. They're going to do a, a man woman thing to make him like he's probably going to be a bad guy but they're going to do this whole thing how she's like misunderstood she was controlled by him she's not really a bad person whatever that i i guarantee that's what they're going to do the 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 man is what led her astray exactly yes um yes uh i you know i like pedro pascal hopefully it's a better villainous turn than um kingsman 2 uh when oh that was him okay yeah that was him well what happened with that movie and you can tell by the script the final script the shooting script whatever they use because that was the one where chain tatum was initially going to have a bigger role and then remember he gets like put in ice or whatever Mm -hmm. and but you can tell because chain tatum's character is tequila but pedro pascal's character is whiskey and it's like hmm why would you not name the actor with the latin heritage tequila and it's because they switched the two because shane tatum had scheduling conflict it's like you guys couldn't just switch the names like really oh um, got it got it got it got it but i i don't know that was all i had for wonder woman i mean i think it's gonna be good it's patty jenkins she's talented i think gal Gadot has come a long way in her acting career i'm not saying she's a she's this phenomenal actress but from where she was with fast five to now she's she's better she still looks great so, yeah, you know. that helps. <laughs> that, I guess. that that white dress getting out of the car. Hello. Yeah. It's so, like, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you have anything else for Wonder Woman? No, I'm. Um, you know, I think we'll talk about where I think the future of superhero movies are a little bit later, but but we could talk about it sort of at the end of the DC fandom thing because. Um, okay. So you know, there's broader risks at play, but go ahead. They had the Black Adam motion comic teaser i don't know if you saw that i did i did so i mean i don't know if you do you do so do you know when the rock was first casted i thought it was like three years ago that he was uh, sort of identified six years ago he was officially casted like he signed on to be black adam in april of 2014 has this, this movie has this movie been in development hell not, I mean, not really, but what happened was that was when DC was announcing like, oh, we're going to do Green Lantern Corps and we're going to do Shazam and we're going to do a Cyborg movie. And there was like no release dates and then they signed The Rock. And the only reason, like, it was just, it was almost like just to get good press. Um, it's directed by Jaume Collet-Coyer-Serra. Um, he directed, sure. <laughs> he directed The Shallows, which was that Blake Lively movie no. with the shark. I remember the previews, yes. Yeah, the greatest trailer ever. Um, yes. Uh, he also directed one of those Liam Neeson 95-minute action movies nonstop. The Grey. Uh, Which one? Well, no, The Grey is actually good. Like, that's actually a good movie. I'm not saying nonstop isn't. It's just one of these lean kind of nothing action. Oh, movies. is that what it was called? It was it called nonstop? Yeah, it was called nonstop. That sounds like a Jason Statham movie. Yeah, you know been round and round to Rero and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. What, what was the Jason Statham movie where it can't stop moving because Crank. some Crank. Frank 
and crank to high voltage. Well, that was the one he like starts having sex with Amy Smart in the middle of like a Chinese bus stop or something. Um, yeah, sure, because he has to keep his adrenaline up. That's the whole. They, point there you go. There but you go. so they're basically turning Black Adam into an antihero, even though he is a supervillain. But it's Dwayne Johnson, so he's got to be somewhat heroic. Um, so I'll, I'll be intrigued to see Dwayne Johnson play an anti-hero because he has such broad appeal and to sort of have a morally a gray. Yeah, like I've never seen The Rock doing, yeah, sort of am, um, ambiguous characters. I'm sure he's done them, but nothing really jumps out of what uh, be cool, I guess, right? Maybe not really. I mean, he yeah. was a gay bodyguard and be cool. If I mean, he was sexually ambiguous, maybe, but I don't know. No, about... no, I. But but I'm just saying. I thought that he was sort of towing. I mean, but everyone in Elmore Leonard movies tow the. Uh, have Elmore you seen? Leonard have you seen Be Cool? Yes, I saw him in the theaters. Oh God! Okay. I mean, The Rock weighed about a buck eighty-five in that movie. Yeah, that, that was, was when he was he, that Skinny was... Rock. Yeah, but Skinny Rock was still like two twenty-five. I mean, he was still big. Um, six, six five yeah i mean uh but it was like it was all right i guess he's fighting hawkman dr fate cyclone and adam smasher the justice squad society of, society of america yeah society of america okay yeah. right these, so um, these b and c level folks okay exactly um i mean i think i don't know it could be interesting i mean the rock he hey he gives it his all I'm not saying it's going to be great, but he, he puts everything into his movies. So, I mean, he must be getting such, he must be getting a piece yeah. of each his, his revenue production dollar. Company, his production company yeah. is part of it. Seven bucks. Yeah. Productions. Gotta um, be. Gotta so, be. um, let's, uh, let's get to the Batman or Snyder. Oh. Which one? Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot. Let me, let me get to Batman. So Batman, yeah. I thought it, now look, I think it looks great. I like Matt Reeves. The cast is amazing. However, it's just, it's Batman. There's only so much you can do. Like, I, oh, wow. I got a moody, brooding, dark trailer with a Nirvana song playing in the background. Cool. But it's like, it's not an origin story, thank God. Uh, it, but he also hasn't seemed to accumulate a lot of the wealth. I mean, he is sort of like, uh, from what I've been able to see, it is, It's obviously he's younger, right? Yeah. And it's, the be- it's the beginning Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Batmobile, I'm digging the death race 2000 sort of vibe that's, <laughs> that, that's coming off of it. Um, if, if this Batman, if I there's anything, it, it better be rated R, it better be ultra violent. He better kill a bunch of people in this. Well, I mean, his I mean, thing is he doesn't kill. That's like, well, now if mean, it's Dark Knight Returns where he's like paralyzing people. Cool. Awesome. Well, but. The, the the get up sort of has dark knight ish sort of um, I like how the vibes cape, I like how the cape has more of a cloak look where it, it kind of extends over his shoulders I'm not gonna lie I, I kind of like that um but, but when he just beats the crap out of the one dude just like and he just keeps going give me brooding emo um <laughs> can't deal with reality Batman who the only way he knows how to cope is by killing people. Make one of those movie every six months. I'll be paying first weekend you to go see that. You have a problem because like, no, 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 no. Because like that was your whole thing when we were watching Logan's. Like just the old man pissed off at the world. I love it, and it's yes. just kind of like 
Yes. You just like that a little too I, much. I, I, I also, I think generally, um, I, I think the setup, now to, to take away that aspect of it, um, I like the sort of, it really has a, um, be, be, this sounds ridiculous talking about a Batman movie. This is relatively grounded in reality coming from Black Adam. I, I mean, there is some, you know, there's a street level of, okay, here's people. And they're not, you know, th- these folks coming from a galaxy they're flying not in. Going through buildings. You know, yes. Yeah. Yes. And and so if it is a mystery, um, so I did read up a little bit on it, and Reeves is supposedly um He's taking... developing like a series with Terrence Winter on Gotham PD as well. Well, which which is a but he also said he took a lot of influence from Chinatown for this, which talks about just how deep does corruption run. And while, I mean, I mean, okay, it's great that you took influence from Chinatown, which is just a ridiculously amazing movie. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, he's not going to say he took, you know, in- inspiration from Gili, you know, well, like, correct. They're going to, no. they're always going to use those buzzwords of we're going to do it dark and gritty. We're going to do it grounded. It's going to be character driven. It's going to be whatever. It's like, just wait till the movie comes out. Because everyone uses those buzzwords ever since The Dark Knight came out and made a billion dollars. Everyone's going to use those buzzwords. And but Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy did the same thing. And we'll get to that later. Okay. So, so, so I'm optimistic based upon the cast. Jeffrey Wright is certainly not remotely a hack of an actor. No. I think, I th- I think he's going to be able to tell where, okay, and here's, here's something Dano, that's good. Paul, Paul Dano's really playing the good Riddler. Stuff. Yeah, he's a great actor. And um, who's the who's, penguin. Who's uh who's 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 the pretty girl playing uh Catwoman? Zoe um, Kravitz. There you go. And um, so so I'm I'm very Aquaman stepdaughter. Do that math. I'm very optimistic um, as to what that movie can be. I I would say, you know, the the less cartoonish, the less of the um, Adam West Batman, however far away from that you can get. Which is, you know, if we have a 30-year-old or 35-year-old uh, attitudinal version of what Frank Miller's Dark Knight was from 1986 is, at least as it relates to how much he just hates certain people, give me more, you know, directly into my veins, please. Give me more of that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just saying. I am of, this, of, um... of of all the stuff that we're going to talk about movie wise. That is the one that I have. Um, I am the most optimistic of because it has a noir sort of vibe to it, and I'm yeah, I'm deep into that. So. so basically, what you're saying is, when you were watching the Batman trailer, you went from six to midnight, uh, or or at, you know, ten thirty at least. For, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Remember, I'm fifty. So okay. Um... <laughs> So, to the albatross at hand, yes, all these people are so excited about Zack Snyder getting his his cut of the Justice League. It's actually people are going to see it. And before I launch into my tirade about this, purely as an, a creative endeavor, endeavor to allowing a filmmaker to have his vision that was kind of taken away from him a little bit to have it be brought to light where he had complete creative control. So as a, as an artistic endeavor, I support what the fans have done in terms of bring us the Snyder cut. 
I totally support the principle of that idea. Because when he was filming, after he did Batman v Superman, and Batman v Superman didn't get the press they wanted it to get, rightfully so, because it wasn't a good movie. Um, And they basically said, we're not going to do Justice League Part 2. You have one movie. And it's like, okay, he had one movie. And then they wanted to make it lighter. They wanted to do XYZ to it. And he kind of didn't make the movie he wanted to make. Uh, which I think when you're two weeks away from shooting, that's unfair. Like you got to let him make the movie he's going to make. You already invested this much into it. You got to, you got to ride with it. Now, then unfortunately his daughter, his daughter passed, right? His daughter. Yeah. His daughter committed suicide and he stepped away. They, they brought in Joss Whedon to fix it up. Everybody knows the story. Henry Cavill had a mustache because he was filming mission impossible six they didn't Paramount didn't let him shave the mustache. He had all this crappy CGI with Superman's face. And the movie literally is it's a Frankenstein, it's like Frankenstein's monster. It is clearly that it's two people who made it, all this other stuff. So <clears throat> Zack Snyder, he's got all this support. It's gonna happen, it's gonna come out in 2021. He releases the trailer with all this um footage that wasn't in the Justice League that came out in 2017. He uses Hallelujah. Leonard Cohen's, well, it's not sung by Leonard Cohen, but it's like that slow version. Um, mm-hmm. He used Hallelujah during the trailer, which only reminded me of how he used it in Watchmen during the sex scene between Silk Spectre. Um, wow, wow. Yeah, and then the when he finishes, when he climaxes, then the fire explodes out of the ship, and it's like just the most heavy, the most heavy-handed sex scene maybe ever maybe uh in a in a theatrically released movie um um american gigolo i'll I'll just show you one that i mean that's one from 1980 with richard and lauren you know yeah i was gonna say that 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 that's pretty um brutal to watch well no just in terms of like if you had symbolism along with it hey guess what happened there's fire exploding out of this ship it's like okay uh, oh, oh, you mean the train? You mean like the train racing through the tunnel yeah, at the end of North by yeah, Northwest like, wasn't uh, too obvious? Just, okay, so <laughs> it is, and then there's the line at the end with Ben Affleck going like, "Well, I don't care how many demons and and whatever fairy tales he's fought, he hasn't fought us, not us, not us united." And to me, that line fell completely flat. But there are people on Twitter, really? Yeah, it did. There are people on Twitter where it's like, oh my God, like we're finally getting, we're finally getting like the, the, the Justice League cut we need. It's like, what about Zack Snyder lets you like, leads you to believe this is going to be any good, any good. And then, and then turns out it's going to be four hours. It's going to be released in one hour installments. And is that going to be released like one, one per week or is it just going to be dumb. No, I think it's going to be released one that... week on HBO Max. Oh. Okay. Um but this is well, so Sorry, I... go, ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. I... I what I'm trying to figure out is outside of HBO Max wanting to get a whole bunch of people to sign up for the service, mm-hmm. which is by the way, HBO Max is a phenomenal is. phenomenal service. It is it is great. Mm-hmm. It is it is worth signing up HBO just to get access to it for all of the different movies that are on there. And shows. Um, in addition to 
Yeah, and in addition to everything that HBO does, but the breadth of movies it pulls from, um, you know, I like older movies, and it has like all of the heavy hitter, uh, you know, movies of the Turner Classic era. And the Boondocks um, is on there. The ones, and, and and my God, there there you go, eight eight is it. But but outside of trying to draw people into HBO Max, what is the purpose of doing this? I, I mean, I think that's really it. I mean, okay. also, I'm, look, they can come out and say, it's like, well, we really wanted to do right by Zack Snyder. And it's like, no, you want people to sign up for this shit. Like, that is, that is part of it. But the main reason, the crux of why you are doing this is because you want more subscribers to HBO Max and they're going to get them. Because there are Snyder fans out there that think he's like, he's a he's this crazy talented director, and I, I just disagree. But but there's not going to be a Justice League two no. electric boogaloo, or because yeah, I mean because we've got another Batman out there because they don't want drunk ass Ben Affleck. Oh come on. Um, Mixed that's up. Low. That's a low blow. Th- that's, uh, but but accurate. <laughs> um, so they're done. So it's it's not like okay they've done this movie unless like somehow Snyder after the fact has sort of tied up how Dark Side will never come. Um, she said, which is fine. God, that that was way on the nose, <laughs> wasn't it? Um, but but I'm trying to figure out. I I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine that they're going to make it, but what is the larger, is there some larger uh, artistic thing that this is going to be a springboard into that Zack Snyder's going to run hard with? He might want to, but it's certainly based upon the Batman movie coming out. Yeah. But, but I mean, it it ain't a Warner's plans. Exactly. (laughs) That's the thing. So pretty clear. Okay. So they're putting like an extra 40 million into this so he can complete all these special effects and everything. Yeah, they're putting like a lot of money into it. So, um, again, as an artistic endeavor, support artists, great, good for him. However, this whole thing is just a reminder of why DC Warner Brothers is why you don't put your trust in Zack Snyder, period. This, first of all, the fact that it's going to be a four hour cut, this was the same guy when Batman v Superman came out and it was two and a half hours. He said, it, you know, I didn't get to release my three hour cut, which came out as the ultimate cut, which was the rated R, whatever. And it's like, I saw that. Was it better? Sure. Was it good? No. And it, I, this guy, this, it, first but of all, for, you don't but have, for a streaming, but if you're, but if you're feeding a streaming service, you want a four hour I understand movie that. So I'm saying, I'm talking about for the DCEU, their little extended universe, their movie universe that they are building. You, you do not have the cachet to just have this whole like, well, I need to make my movie. It's going to be three hours. Da, 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 da. Well, number one, you're Zack Snyder. It's not like you're Steven Spielberg or anything. But there's nothing like what's his best movie? Was it Dawn of the Dead? It's Watchmen. I mean, I don't think Watchmen's very good, to be honest. It's okay, but there's Watchmen is so Watchmen is so sort of you know it takes like thirty percent from. The original comic book and I, I i don't know how you make a movie out of what Watchmen yeah. was from the comic book from the 80s it's, it's just impossible it, um you know he he makes man of steel with christopher nolan executive produces it because he really liked his vision and i liked man of steel for mm-hmm. about two-thirds of the movie and then it gets to the end and it just it turns into the action figure fight 
Um, but I was mm-hmm. like, okay, where are they going to go with this? And they spend almost three years developing Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, all this other stuff. And it's a dud. Because uh, I think when you have Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all in a movie, um, and it uh, you can't even break nine hundred million, let alone a billion dollars with that movie, just because people, you know, people say, well, it's too serious. It's like, no, that's not the problem. It's not a good movie. Anybody who talks about like the tone, how it's too dark, it's too, that's not what it is. Because people want to go see Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and that made over a billion dollars because they were good films. That one was. I, you know, I have my Batman Superman problems. There's so many holes in that movie where, you know, Superman hears Lois Lane from across half the world, but he doesn't hear his mom when she gets kidnapped. And the only, the only argument I've heard to that, it's like, well, you're going to hear the person, oh, you're going to hear the girl you've been dicking dude. down. You're going to hear, hear her. You're not going to hear your mom, all that other stuff. I, I, I you know, I've, I don't want to get into rat fucking because that's essentially what it is. I mean, you can get caught up in the so, minutiae. I'm just stuff, saying, there's and yes, there's it's there. There's but, just, you know. there's just, it's just like the kryptonite, the, sorry, ant fucking, the ant kryptonite fucking. spear thing. Wonder Woman was kicking Doomsday's ass. Why didn't she stab him with the kryptonite spear? It has no effect on her. Yeah, 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 but that's yeah. that's a whole other thing. Um, but it's like they decided to put all their weight behind Zack Snyder is going to lead the way because Christopher Nolan wouldn't, even though they offered him half a billion dollars to do so. He was like, no, I'm going to make my own stuff. And, you know, you look at, okay, we're going to have Zack Snyder do this. And then you see Marvel with Kevin Feige running it like a well-oiled machine. And it's just, you know. Well, I, I think Snyder stuff, um, heavy handed probably isn't a fair way to, say it but it's not snyder stuff because he's dealing with these epic heroes and these epic villains and it is so serious all the time in spite of like it's i'm, I'm sure that um ezra miller if that's the dude who played yeah, flash like his his goofy quirky stuff was probably thrown in by whedon yeah um, he's already serious but, enough in the fantastic beast franchise Okay, but but my thinking is that I think that's the problem with Snyder stuff is like his stuff is just so heavy in spite of it being a superhero movie. And as you said, where the Marvel franchise has tried to lighten up, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think DC is figuring out they have to do it as based upon, you know, the Wonder Woman stuff has sort of the interesting banter we talked about. Do it where it's necessary. Like, I mean, Superman being this dark brooding character isn't exactly, doesn't exactly fit. You can make him darker, but you can't really make him dark. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it. but, but that's, that is where Snyder's visions seem to come from. I mean, Watchmen is, that's like a heavy, that's a heavy story. So, I mean, he, th- that is the space he lives in, and you're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah. So, you well, know. I don't know. He made that animated Owls movie, and Owls of Ghoul or whatever, Legend of the Guardians. I don't know how dark that was. I don't think it was a very dark, but it's the one exception. Uh, but that's all okay. I got to say about the DC fandom stuff. Um, well, I'll certainly watch it when it comes out. But oh, Snyder? oh I, I'm I'll also sure watch it, and then I'll be there when I said, "Hey, I told you it's it suck. It would suck." I mean, I I have no expectations. It will be what it will be. Anyways, you know. <clears throat> so Kathleen Kennedy, uh, president of Lucasfilm, 
Um, oh, can I can I make a comment now about DC? Yeah. I have some general, I have some concerns here because less about Snyder, but you know, DC. I, I'm wondering if DC might be figuring stuff out because, and we'll talk a little bit about Marvel as we talk about Kathleen Kennedy, but um, you know, you know, DC when it was sort of operating in the Snyder zone because it was so heavy-handed. I'm thinking they probably, based upon Shazam, took some good notes as to sort of the Amblin change movie. up the what what change up the just have them be a different genre. Yeah, and and while I'm sure the you know the reaction to that is like going to be, dude, what are you talking about? It's a superhero movie. How can you change genres? But Marvel if you look it. at Marvel, it's pretty clear. Marvel does it. It's pretty clear that Ant Man is a heist movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty clear that Captain America 2 is one of yep. these political paranoid thriller types like uh, Three Days of the Condor or whatever. Um, you know, they're all very different. And I think it's important that if, if you're making a superhero movie going forward, which, and they all have the same sort of tone to people them are gonna get tired of and it. they don't have different feels people are gonna get tired of it so if the fallback is oh no we're just gonna make different movies like this will be a heist movie or this will be a whatever um it just operates within a universe and it has some characters that we've got a baseline of familiarity with i think you can be successful i'm hopeful that at least for the sake of dc not that i'm some big superhero guy or dc guys but dc certainly has a ton of ip that I think they can work with um, if they are doing that with if Batman becomes much more grounded detective, you know, mystery movie, true mystery movie. If um, if Wonder Woman becomes well, that, that is real superhero. But but this is just like, as you said, a fish out of water movie, nostalgia inflicted movie, whatever it is. Um, if that's able to sort of continue on some sort of different theme, I, I think there's there's an appeal there. I uh, if they don't, and they're going to make a mistake. I'm I'm frankly surprised. Though, I don't know what Warner really had much choice outside of what other real significant IP that they have. Well, um, they're mining. They're mining they, the crap out of that Harry Potter IP right now with Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Well. The, yeah. The crap yeah, out of it. Mixed but, results. But so. But. Best. But so long as they, um, I'm, I'm happy to see they're going to give it another go. They just got to, they just got to keep the right perspective on actually making different sorts of superhero movies. Yeah. Um, even if they operate in the same universe, they just got to be different mm-hmm. movies. I mean, anyway. and James Gunn had his little Suicide Squad behind the scenes featurette, and they really because they talked about Dirty Dozen when the first one came out, but this one really seems to be leaning into the Dirty Dozen, especially if you see the poster. It's like it is definitely that '70s kind of war movie look. Um, Wait, um, Trudy Lopez. Oh yeah, and Jim Brown. Jim Brown is just is just throwing these grenades down. Trudy, Trudy Lopez. <laughs> oh God, I love that movie. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, or that Sleepless in Seattle reference. Yes. Uh, there you go. Just in case you know the listeners. I you know I learned today my primary listener base is twenty three to thirty four so you know in case 
Well, some of them may not know that reference, but sleepless in Seattle. Uh, but so Kevin Kennedy was talking to I think it was the rap. And she basically said, Star Wars, it's it's time to take a step back for Star Wars. And she was quoted as saying, stories have been told within this universe over the last 40 odd years. And there's now the realization that this is a mythology that actually spans about 25,000 years. So I'm going to stop it right there. There's another quote. You're the president of Lucasfilm. You've been in filmmaking for 30, 40 years, let's say. You just realized that Star Wars has 25,000 years of mythology or whatever. You, ju- you just realized this. So then she had a quote, we, we just need the time to step back and really absorb what George has created. I'm just referencing George Lucas, obviously. But uh, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. there are upcoming release dates, December 2023, December 2025, and December 2027 for Star Wars movies could be relating to Ryan Johnson's trilogy that is planned. Although he still doesn't know if he's going to do another movie before he starts that there's, they signed Taika Waititi to a film. Kevin Feige's developing a film with Kennedy, supposedly. Um, then you have season two of Mandalorian. Obi-Wan in the star series with Feige, Feige's doing something in Star the, Wars universe. Star yes, Wars he's universe. Developing a film. Um, those those are okay. all the projects, and then they have season two of Mandalorian, and then the Obi Wan series with you and McGregor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let you. I think I think you have you probably have some thoughts on this. Yes. So, in my opinion, and I'm obviously speaking at this from a distance, um, Kathleen Kennedy was not ready to deal with the pressures of a true corporate world dynamic. Um, she worked for Lucas back when Lucas had all this IP that he had developed, but ultimately she worked for Lucas, who would then be, I think, for the most part, correct me if I'm wrong, producer on most of the Mm -hmm. stuff. And she was sort of running this show for him. And there... She was was the on-set person, basically. Right. She she was the on-set person, but stuff wasn't going to get made until George was feeling it. Right. And George comes from the seventies auteur sort New of Hollywood. He's only gonna make it he's only gonna make it when he feels right. it. You know, he went sixteen years before he made another uh he made sixteen years between Star Wars movies and you know, he made some Razor of the Lost Ark in the midst with Steven Spielberg, among a few other things. Well, but he, had, he also that got was, divorced and you know. Oh we, 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 yeah. But more important but but more important well, yeah. But more importantly, um, you know, George was of an age and I think he probably saw, you know, he had an asset that had not been realized economically to the extent, uh, that it could. And he, he was probably just not feeling the energy to do it again. Oh, yeah. he, he said, like, why that. would I make more when everybody just yells at you all the time or whatever? Bingo. So, so now, so they say, okay, we're going to sell it to Disney for $4 billion. Well, let's look at the previous four billion dollar purchase that Disney had Marvel. done. Um, um, yeah, because Pixar 09. was a few years. Pixar, Pixar was a couple years before Pixar that. Pixar was oh six. Okay, uh, but but hold on, it might have been oh four. I think it was oh four. But let's look at but let's look at Marvel simply because the tickets are about the same, and it's it's probably the closest analog to it, um, even though it has not been the same number of years. But let's look at that. Um, Disney paid $4 billion for um, Marvel in 09. Mm-hmm. Marvel is this scrappy little 
the engine that could. The scrappy little company. Yep, the scrappy little company that found a way to scrape together enough money to make a few yep, movies. They got the they loan made. from Merrill Lynch to finance the first yep. phase. Yep. The two Iron Men and Hulk, and was that it? Two Iron Men, one Hulk other one after Captain America: The First Avenger, and uh, then they finished with with uh, Avengers because those were the movies that Paramount distributed. Because it, no, but the par- but Disney bought it before the first yes, Avengers but the, came the out. The purchase wasn't. The purchase wasn't completed for probably a year or whatever. Like they say that. Yeah. But the way the deal was structured, Disney did not start officially distributing those yeah. movies until after Avengers. Because they and, signed a deal okay. with Paramount. Okay. But they saw this incredible, I think they saw a lot of incredible IP technology had um, elevated. But they saw, they also the saw Kevin where, Feige. Right, they had a guy who was like, hey, here's what I want. Exactly. With, with a ton, of, with a vision and with a lot of gas in the mm-hmm. tank. Fantastic. So now what have they done in those approximately 11 years? Marvel has done, I think the last number I saw it was 21 or $22 billion worth of uh, revenues on the movies. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you roll down to the true net net profit of those movies right now, I was digging into some numbers here. Um, you know, probably the best representation of net profit on a movie as long as you hit some minimums is about between 25 and 30% as a net. Mm-hmm. If you take out all the sort of marketing Hollywood math yeah. and marketing costs, et cetera. So on $21 billion, if you're making 30%, you know, that's probably 5 billion or so, a little over you six. know, ballpark. Okay. But guess what? On just the movies alone, they made that money back. Yep. 10 years, and you're not talking time, about merchandise, but, but in 10 years, you're not talking about any of that. Just no, me. no, and that's before that's before you go into the theme parks where you can put it up and you throw a Marvel ride into somewhere that's going to draw a bunch of people to uh, and sell tickets and stuff like that. Yep. So, there's other ways that those assets can be leveraged, but that deal has already paid for itself. Um, Iger, you know, obviously buying Pixar, he kind of had to do it because Disney was. Disney's computer animation group, and I'd, I'd submit to you hand-drawn animation at that time, was, was essentially Chicken trash. Little. Chicken and, Little. Yep. Chicken Little, Home on the Range. And Meet the um, Robinsons. It was. And, and oh, my God. And, and, and Meet the I Robinsons. I say, the coffee so, patch bit from Meet the Robinsons is hilarious, though. I, and, but, but I'm just saying, it had nothing on Pixar. Right. So Dis- Disney so, yeah, had to do something. They like $7 billion for Pixar. Like they paid a yes. lot of money for Pixar, right? But but they realized that they, as a company, weren't going to get anywhere from an animation standpoint as to where animation was going if they didn't buy them. They had no choice but to buy them. And thank thankfully for uh, for the company, you know, Steve Jobs and Iger got along, and I, uh, Steve Jobs couldn't stand Michael Eisner. Um, <laughs> but but that's a whole other story. So they go and score Marvel. And, um, um, you know, Iger talks to George, said, if you're ever up for sale, they're realizing, I think, at that point, um, after they missed out on Harry Potter, the the licensing rights to throw Harry Potter in the parks, let alone the movies, and they lost that to Universal. Um, 2006. They bought Pixar in 2006. 7.4. 7.4 billion. They lost that to Universal. There there has been a mad dash for IP. Mm. and and so they go and they buy, and that was what twenty thirteen or fifteen? When did they Lucasfilm? buy Star Wars? Twenty twelve, November, yeah, November yeah. twenty twelve. 
November 2012, and they came out with the first Star Wars movie, Christmas of Christmas 15, 15 yep. right? So they paid $4 billion. So, Four point, so 4. 4, if, yeah. you, if you look at what those movies have made, admittedly, it's not the same amount of time, but it's been five years. If you look at what the movies that have Hold been on, made, let me guess. So you have two with the first one. You made $1 billion with Rogue One. That's $3 billion. They made uh, $1.3 with Last Jedi, right? That is four point three. Mm-hmm. Then they made they made less than four hundred million dollars with Solo, so that's four point six seven. Let's call it four point seven. Then they made mm-hmm. barely a billion with a, bi- a just under a billion one. Worldwide. Okay, so five point five point eight billion. They, they, they're probably I would let's just say six. six? Okay. We'll round up. So six billion. Um, I, I, but but I'm reading some numbers here where they're they're saying that um, the costs associated with these movies, especially marketing, etc. Um, they're saying the margin across the board on these movies because Solo lost yep. money. Their net margin on it was only 18. Mm. percent So let's call it. Let's be generous 20. and call it 20 percent on six billion dollars. That's a billion two. So just on movies alone, that four billion dollars. They've only made back a billion two on movies. Now there's been other they've been, things they've they been can make money with, on with uh, Star Wars Day in September with toys. Uh, well, well I, but but when it's all said and done, the movies is where you can just get these huge paydays come in. Yep. That said, that said, Kathleen Kennedy, basically, it was like, oh, yeah. okay, I only so, have to sort of work with George, and now you got yeah. all right. We got earnings. We got earnings yep. season coming. We have, and guess what? We got Marvel over here putting out billion-dollar movies three and four times a year. Now, we may not be able to do four in a year, but damn it, every damn movie you make better but easily make um, a billion dollars. Sounds like she's a little control freaky. So, so yeah, so she's had major, major production problems where you are removing, like, the creators of the filmmakers of said film with Rogue One, Solo, Episode Nine. The proposed trilogy from David Benioff, Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Remember that? The Game of Thrones mm-hmm. guys. Uh, then they signed their $500 million deal with Netflix and they exited the Star Wars trilogy. And also the proposed Boba Fett movie, anthology movie with uh, Josh Trank. Now, the Josh Trank movie probably somewhat got canceled because there was all the crap that came out about him with that awful Fantastic Four movie and how he was just a tyrant on set. On set. So I'll give... Yeah, but but... Yeah. But but here's what I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say. If you have if these are one offs, if these are your Edgar Wrights and Ant Man's, yeah, and I don't even know if Edgar Wright. If, if this is like a one off, then hey, something happens, fine. But when when if Kathleen Kennedy is saying, yeah, this guy just isn't making it's happening it, over eighty percent, right? In eighty percent of the time, hey, Kathleen Kennedy, what's wrong with you that you can't find the right person to and hire? With, so I, I mean, Rogue One. Uh, Gareth Edwards directed it, who directed Godzilla. Yes, who directed Godzilla. Um, yes. So the, he gets removed in favor of Tony Gilroy to do to do reshoots, but he was pretty copacetic about it, which is why like it wasn't this huge story. But they did extensive reshoots for Rogue One, and they brought in Tony Gilroy, and he and Gareth Edwards was not on set. And Tony Gilroy, he did he did your movie Michael Clayton. I know how much you love that movie. Um, Hell so yeah. then Solo, the Solo debacle happened where five months into shooting, she removes the directors and writers, Christopher Lord and Phil Miller. Or no, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, sorry. And 
and, and here's the deal. That might have that might have made sense to remove them. Why the hell, Jahari, if that was wrong, why'd you hire them exactly. in the first place? Five months. Yeah, and you waited five months. Um, and then episode nine, you had Colin Trevorrow was originally, he was hired in, uh, what was it, 2016? Was he hired in 2016? And then he was removed in 2017 to direct and write episode nine. And that was when she brought in, she brought JJ back. Well, that was the thing. He wrote his script, submitted his script. She didn't like it. She brings Jack Thorne, who wrote the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child play, uh, brings him in to write it, kind of without letting Trevorrow know. Trevorrow had problems, and then all of a sudden he leaves the project. So then she brings in J.J. Abrams to come back, and, you know, J.J. Mm -hmm. had his issues, I guess, with episode eight. They tried to retcon everything in one movie. But, and it's, it's just, it goes back to the whole thing of, well, that was effective. What? It was effective. I mean, it, it sold tickets. Okay, whatever. Um, I mean, it did, but like, I, I still contend that that is the worst of the three. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about Rise. My bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But because it was right counting yeah, too. It yeah, goes yeah, yeah. back to the whole thing of there was never, there was not that, there was never the Lucasfilm brain trust like there is at, like there was at Marvel or there is at Marvel. There was never the roadmap. There was never the plan. Of what do right. we? There was what never. Do we want there was to never this story. There was never that. Right. There was never a broad no, vision. There wasn't. And and pro tip on life: if ever if like if your life and stuff around you, personally and professionally, is a mess, and you're going through it saying it's everyone else's fault, you need to have the ability to reflect and say, actually, I control some. Of, especially when you're running it, you control it. I control it. So when she says, "I'm going to step back." And we need to step back and we need to realize actually what we're dealing with. Yeah, you do. But you are in such a rush. And I understand you need, you need to be in a rush to get product out. You bought yourself a ton of time after The Force Awakens to do it right. Yeah, and, and Rogue and One. Screw, and you screwed and Rogue up. One was, and Rogue was One was solid. good. And then episode 8 happened. And then there was this divide. Now... The problem I had, while I liked episode eight, I, I understand. I'm not saying that episode eight was a problem. I think as part of the machine, it was fine. You let him do what he wanted to do, and Ryan Johnson did it. Fans had a problem with it, but he did what he, he did. I don't, as from a Kathleen Kennedy standpoint, I don't have a problem with what happened through those first three movies. Not so much. I know she interfered with Rogue One, but Rogue One turned out fine. It made a billion dollars. Most of the fandom likes it. Yeah, Rogue One's so, good. and then kind of what happened when you have the solo fiasco. That is like the the that is the big like poster child of everything that happened was because you were five months into filming. You're five. That is that should be filming, and then you had to spend all this money to reshoot the movie. And Solo is kind of half baked. Like when you watch it, it's like eh, it's okay. It's not great. There are some good parts in it, but it's it it's basically unnecessary. That's how it comes off almost. Um, right. And then episode nine, you you know, you basically give JJ free reign to retcon everything. And then you have this trilogy with Ryan Johnson. Nobody nobody really knows what's happening because he signed on to the trilogy before episode eight came out. Then episode eight came out. Fans didn't really like it. And now I think she's in this do ooh, do I really want Ryan Johnson to do this because the fandom doesn't like him? That she's like stuck there. And it's like her contract is up in twenty twenty one. I she's I don't she's yeah, out of she's it. Not she's out of it. Like she just isn't. 
and they're going to come out with some press release. It's going to be like, oh, she, you know, she's going to go back to making smaller independent movies, or she's going to make movies with her husband again, or whatever. And they're going to say, we appreciate her time, da 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 da, and then they're going to bring someone else in. I I, I also think that Disney, um, I don't want to say Disney overpaid for it because no. with with Lucas, you are getting Raiders of the Lost Ark and that whole thing. I think that they're, I think that... They definitely expected a lot more. But but I think that the appeal of what they projected, projected the appeal of Star Wars to be for folks that are 30 and under, I, I just do not think, I think, I think people 30 and under think it's fine. But, you know, Star Wars came out when I was seven. Okay, and you couldn't you couldn't get away from it. It was yeah, nothing can be that big in today's Tenor actions figures. Yeah, I mean, even the biggest Marvel movie was never as big as what What that was. was, But and so because of that, a lot of the appeal of these Star Wars movies is a whole bunch of nerds, and and I say nerds in the best way possible. Just people that were Star Wars. Yeah, 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 and and nerd, and nerd culture is very in, but it's for folks that are forty and older, and frankly, probably much older that are the ones that are wanting to see stuff um, three, four, five times because those are the people that were seven, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen. Um, they were the ones that connected with the original story and read all the novels from the original expanded universe. And that was the other thing and, that and a th- lot of fans didn't like about Kathleen Kennedy was they took all the ex- expanded universe stuff. It's like, yeah, just, it's not canon. It's legends it or whatever. Yeah. And, and yeah. But, and then I think that, I mean, and this speaks to, you know, in my opinion, uh, in spite of how great I hear that the big ride in uh, Rise of the Resistance, uh, the big ride, yeah, the Rise of the Resistance ride is, and how awesome that that area looks, uh, you know, folks under the age of thirty are not having these almost religious type experiences the way that uh, people that are Islamic go to Mecca. You know, it is not. I mean, there was an expectation that everyone and their brother would be fighting over each other just to and would just stand there bursting into tears when they see the Millennium Falcon for the first time, real live and up close. And it's cool, it looks great. And hey, I'm hey, I I watched it and stuff, I didn't have action figures and stuff, but I appreciate it when I was young. It's very well done, but I don't, it. I don't think it's going to end up driving the foot traffic that people expected. And I, I'd be really concerned that, that that thing is a flop at the parks, because in my opinion, I just don't know if the star Wars IP has that much appeal, especially to the people with young kids now right. that are under 35. Yeah. And, um, I think- and, and, and this idea that Ray as a character, all these young girls are just going to, Oh my God! I can't wait to dress up as Ray. As much as Disney is going to show, I mean, show movies of little girls dressed up and meeting and all this stuff. I, I mean, the twenty and thirty it. year old dudes are more it. interested in Ray, probably. Um, well, yeah, but for other reasons, yeah, <laughs> probably as well. But <laughs> just stepping out on a ledge there. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's like the other thing is it's there is a part where it's like Disney has kind of lived long enough to see themselves become the villain because now 
you have this part of the fandom. Don't get me wrong, it is a minority, but you have this part of the fandom is, oh man, bring back George or let George make a movie or whatever. And oh god, and it's no. like, oh yeah, no, it's clearly no, don't let him do that. But it's like, wow, there's actually this part of the fandom that's really kind of like, oh, I wish George would have kept it. Da, 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 da. It's like, whoa, like, oh, oh well, okay. I, I'll I'll say this. I I look at I look upon it as. Um, you know, because Iger sees himself, and he's no longer there, but Iger saw himself as like a big creative sort of guy. And because he, it sounds like he really just threw the keys at Feige and everything that he d- touched turned to gold. He kind of did the same with Kathleen Kennedy with Star Wars, that right? Like, with the Star Wars, yeah, with Kathleen Iger, Kennedy. And that was a mistake. Well, that was the thing. Iger was the first one without oversight. Yeah. Without oversight, Iger was the first one to come out and say, "Yeah, we're going to do a slowdown of Star Wars movies." Remember when he said that last year? Um, well, he was the first one to come and, out and say that. And what's, but but what's interesting there is this is so different from the Disney of old, where Jeffrey Katzenberg was such a friggin' micromanager yeah. on everything, and he was certainly wrong on a few things. He but was, you know, hey, Disney Renaissance. He, I, I'm not. I'm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that he was all wrong. The, the Quibi, you know, yeah, th- yeah. that is a hot yeah. mess. But 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 Iger was very hands off as a manager, and and I understand the management spot style, especially when you're throwing um, a huge theme park up in friggin' Shanghai, um, among other things that he was doing, and and the size and scale that Disney had become, um, he had no choice but to do that. But you still got $4 billion you threw into this sucker. Whatever it is, you better have a way of having your spies in there seeing what's up because the shit is real Well, money. that was the thing with um, Feige because Feige was being, you know, overseen by Ike Perlmutter, who's a notorious... Um, cheapo. Yeah, very cheap. And that was when Feige went over Perlmutter's head. He went to Iger. It's like, look, man, I'm trying to make you money. And this dude is... This dude's pinching pennies. So... What, what do right. you want? And right. Iger was like, go do your thing. And he did. And Feige rewarded him greatly with, you know, highest grossing movie of all time, uh, um, you know, with uh, Avengers Infinity War Part 2. So um, yeah. also one last thing that Kathleen Kennedy and I know I wrote this article a few, what, eight months, seven months ago when she came out and just her hypocrisy of, you know, we want more filmmakers of color and women and all this other stuff and she's hired nothing but white dudes again i if you think well, no but if you think it's the best person for the job go do your thing just don't come out and say you're gonna do something or you want to do something and you don't do it that's what i have a problem with i i, I th- this is a whole other podcast but this idea that this idea that if you signal um, how how progressive you are, and you don't follow through. People, automatically, people call you on it, or, or 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 whether you follow through or not. You know, if you're not putting out stuff, folks don't want to see. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know what? I mean, there are a lot of black people attached to Black Panther, and folks showed the f up because it was a really good yeah. movie. You, you know what? Simply because you know what we got all women makers and all this and that or whatever it might be. And you're making but again, you know, a lot of that's shit. Not what I'm, it don't yeah. matter. You don't win any points. I, I know that's yeah, not what, what you're I'm saying. What I'm saying is yeah, I, she's a hypocrite in, in what she did. Yes. And like if she just didn't come out and say that, nobody would have a problem. Um, but anyways, 
moving I think we we beat that horse to death. Yes. But, yes uh, so yes. Tenet, final trailer came out for Tenet. They premiered it on TNT during the NBA playoffs. Reviews uh, are out. It's I think it's still sitting at 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 71 on Metacritic, which if you're making a genre movie, that's pretty strong. Uh, for a Christopher Nolan movie, yep. I mean, it's I it, it, it may, it's around the average for a Christopher Nolan movie. But what I saw was a lot of critics were like, well, it's a very cold movie. And I'm like, really? Like, that's your critique of the film? that Because it, it didn't have humor in it? I don't think it's so much that it didn't. I mean, yeah, that might be it. Is Some of it was humor. But I think there's this whole thing of like, well, I want to you know, I want to have this emotional, like, I want to feel attached to the character. It's like, why? If anything, I, I really don't need that in all my movies. And that was, Inception was criticized for the same thing. And it's just like, I don't, I just want to, I just want to, you know, this time. had, so, so I watched this trailer pretty hard before this mm-hmm. and, and I got incredible Inception yeah. vibe. So Inception is like this crazy heist movie, basically. Yeah, right? it is. This, this this feels i i don't think it's a heist movie but it has heist vibes to it but with different physics and stuff right. like that going on mm-hmm. so cool the reality is it's the this it's all about the chase it has nothing to do with the emotional strings that are being exactly. pulled through and, it and look I mean, you know christopher nolan made a movie because he was criticized for coldness and he made a movie to address that and it was interstellar and as much as Interstellar accomplishes and all this other stuff with all this stuff, that's probably his weakest movie. I, I'm not a fan of I, – I like Interstellar, but I do not like it nearly as much as I like Inception, Dunkirk, Dark Knight, uh, Prestige. It, to me, it doesn't really compare because there's just so much clunkiness with that movie. I don't need Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey telling me how love transcends time and space and that's what's going to motivate us to die. But I, but I, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, also, with that movie, doesn't really know how to do expository dialogue real well. Although it's like, how do you do expository stuff about like uh, the theory of relativity and time dilation and quantum physics? You know, maybe that movie does it better than anybody else. But it's just he he catered to that in in Interstellar and in trying to have this emotional connection to try to get to tug on the heartstrings and it just didn't really work all that well. And so she's like, just make your movie, man. I just want to have fun. And by the way, um, if my protagonist is trying to prevent world war three, if that's the premise, I think I can, I think I can get on board with that guy, you know, trying to prevent mass destruction well, sure. or whatever. It's like, I don't need any, I don't need to be motivated anymore to connect with that guy. I'm, I'm good. But, but when the expect. When when the expectations for a movie that Christopher Nolan does are set so high, yeah. uh, unfortunately, if it doesn't check every box, um, I, I think people are let down. So, you know, probably any other director making this, it is probably rated higher. Um, and but but this is a movie that's meant to be seen on the big screen. People are seeing it for the visual aspects. People are seeing it for the story. And uh, they are not seeing it for the emotional stuff. Right. I mean, it is about, you know, Christopher Nolan's a filmmaker and show me visuals and show me all that stuff. And that's what he's doing. Um, you know, now, am I going to see it in a the movie theater? I got to see if Anna, I can drag my wife uh, out to a theater to see it. This is first on her list. 
but maybe. I mean, I mean the numbers have fallen pretty hard down here, and I think they're going to continue to fall. Um, well, I don't know how long it's going to be in theaters for because it'd be unfortunate if it's not because this is a movie meant to be seen in a, in a movie big as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's in a theater open near me, I'm I'm going. I'll go to go see it because I think it's like what thirty percent capacity. I know my buddy uh, Jimmy. He saw Empire Strikes Back tonight for five bucks, and they still had yeah yeah they still had the Mulan poster in there. Uh, which so so which which version of Empire was it the was it the original original no, or was it, I think it the was ones like George Lucas. the fifth version that's been the improved special edition quote, unquote, improved or whatever. I think it was that yeah. one. Uh, All right. But uh, moving on, so a trailer came out for Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to yeah. Murder, Murder on the Orient Express. I'm kind of meh about it. I see why they're coming out with a sequel. The first one made $353 million on a $55 million budget, which is actually... Looks great. Yeah, for $55 million, like that movie looks phenomenal. Uh, it looks that. great. And this one, this one looks... Yeah. Ultra polished, yeah. ultra shiny. The one concern, and, and this is a concern I have generally about um, stuff like this, is that Murder on the Orient, Murder on the Orient Express was a book. When was that written? In the 30s, I guess? 30, when Agatha Christie wrote it? I want to say. And it was done in the 70s, yeah. I think. And, and while it's really polished. Yeah, 1934. While it's really polished, Agatha Christie's like the best-selling author, one of the best-selling authors. I remember an old Guinness's Book of World Records that I had that Agatha Christie was the best-selling fiction uh, writer of all book time, writer. having sold more of than all time. two billion copies. Yeah, you know, two billion—that's not bad. Um, that's but, how you measure. So it's success. like, yeah, I mean, th- right. But so then I say, okay, wow, you're making a movie to for a story that I'll say everyone knows. Frankly. I hadn't seen Murder on the I maybe I saw Murder on the Orient Orient, Orient Express, <laughs> if I can say it. <laughs> um, but um, I saw it, and if I seen it, I'd forgotten it. So I saw it and it was, oh, okay, we all killed the dude. Great. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry if you see Murder on the Orient. God damn it. Murder on the Orient <laughs> Express. Jesus. One beer tonight. One beer, everyone. Um, and so but so it's not original. It looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's um, what's his face? Who's really all anal retentive and stuff? What's the uh, you can't breath? Hercule Poirot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's a it's a different take on Poirot supposedly. Oh my god. Um, what was the thing? And so this, I want this to be so fucking French. Yes, <laughs> my uh, that the that people from France look at it and say, "Oh my God, how did they do yeah, that?" Right, right. Um, go, yeah. so, so, some so, please see, please see, uh, Hearts of Darkness, uh, the making of Apocalypse Now. Watch the extended edition of Apocalypse Now, and then watch Hearts of Darkness, which is on the making of Apocalypse Now. It's better. It's probably better than Apocalypse Now because it's actually Apocalypse Now. And if you see it, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. Um, but so here is Death on the Nile. And then my concern is, okay, it looks great. A lot of attractive people in it. It yeah. looks extremely highly polished. It's all good. I expect it to be extremely well done. But this is a story everyone knows. Well, yeah, or, and I can say everyone. Done it and, and all that other stuff. Right. But, but, but it's like, are we just 
is this what going to movies is for the most part? It's like seeing, at least Tenet is an seeing, is an original story. Seeing a hundred million like, dollars of a story you already know, right? Um, how about every remake, quote unquote, live action remake of an animated movie that Disney's doing? Yeah. It's like Aladdin comes out. It's like, yeah, I know what happens. It's Will Smith I've seen and a Robert Williams. Of this. Yeah. Well, well, yes, and I don't want to see it. And saw, you know, saw a live action Beauty and the Beast. It is fine. It cost two hundred and fifty million dollars supposedly to make you it. Know, I'm watching no it. Jerry Orbach. Hell no. But but it but then you're watching it and it's like it it winks at itself. It's saying we know everyone has seen this already, um, and so we'll sort of have the pauses in there because everyone saw the original cartoon Beauty and the Beast. So I have all these pauses in there for everyone to like it. And so it's super self-aware. It's super highly polished and super well done, but it's the same damn movie. Do people just want to go in and relive stuff again? I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, you could argue that Maleficent, which is, I guess it wasn't the first version of that. I said, okay, it's a different perspective on it. And it's the, Hey, get in the car. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. Th- there's and that Angelina, aspect of it too. Angelina Jolie shows up. Make sure you have the bag ready <laughs> and, to get in the car. I, yes, yes. I always e, have the bag ready I in the e car. Wanted, yeah. if you ever saw Wanted, she shows up. James McAvoy gets in the car. Yeah, just for the listeners who but, don't know. But but outside of that, and then you say to yourself, okay, there's all these movies that are that are fine, and there's a lot of money being put into it, but it ain't original. And at least thank God, you know, for Tenant. That someone's willing to make something that's original. Well, and, but the thing is, it's, it's like Chris, Christopher Nolan may be the only director with that kind of cachet to get $250 million to make an original movie. He's literally a one of one. Nobody else can do that. Um, but make, but just make something original. Right. No. I mean, definitely. Uh, I mean, was $55 million. That's why, you know, I mean, Knives Out. Knives Out was $40 million. I mean. Knives Out's great. Yeah, Knives Out is awesome. It's great. And nice Guys is like $50 million. But the thing is, Knives Out made money unlike Nice Guys. But it's like, yeah, there there are these great original movies out there. Just nobody, just nobody goes to see them. Uh, that's the problem. But you know, it, it, I will say for this type of movie, if this replaces, you know, in terms of having these ensemble class on class ensemble casts that are going to yeah, be, see? See? yeah, if if <laughs> if this replaces the Valentine's Days, the New Year's Eves, oh. the Mother's oh, Day, if this replaces well, that, I'm all for it. Where it's like, hey, we're going to get 10 A-list stars just to be in this movie, dress up, do whatever, get the nondescript white guy that Hollywood's trying to push to be the next leading man like Army Hammer or Sam Worthington or Jai Courtney. Let's put him in it or whatever. You know, if that's going to replace those other movies, the, the, the Gary Marshall tub of shits. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, I mean, who, I mean, what naked pictures of a Hollywood executive to Gary Marshall? <laughs> like, 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 what's a 78-year-old dude that you know, whose best days were in the mid '70s, when when Henry Winkler would come out in front of filmed in front of a studio audience in Happy Days. It's like, dude, he made Pretty Woman, what? right? Okay, okay, he made he made Pretty Woman with like made basically the biggest, most appealing. That was lightning in a bottle movie. Okay. Um, there, I'm, that, I'm uh, just telling you, Julia. Julia Robert, is that 1990. The, is that the toothy 1990 Mystic Pizza? <laughs> Exactly. That 1992 Julia Roberts. Man, was it 90? Yeah, well, they, 90. yeah. She's like 25, 20, 4? 22, 23. I think she was born in 67. And, and, you, 
And you know, the original script of that, like Richard Gere, like kicks her to the curb and she ends up like, I think like committing suicide or something like that. And they decide, uh, you, speaking of dark, <laughs> you know, that it makes like, boy, having all those montages with Larry Miller would have been weird just to have her like, uh, you know, you know, tie off her arm and plunge something okay. in. Okay. Okay. We get it. But I mean, <laughs> but, um, I'm just saying, Gary Marshall. I mean, is it because the movies only cost twenty five million dollars? I mean, is is it along the same lines yeah. of you know vampire? Vampire well, cost eight they million money. bucks, but we'll make, um, make twenty two million bucks. Yes, and it was like, but but it's garbage. But I think it's like people chose those movies over the date movies, the epic movies, the Meet the Spartans, and all that crap. It's like people chose those. Now we just need to upgrade again. Let's make it these Death on the Nile, Murder Mystery, Who Done It, and then we'll slowly just get. Better and better and well, better with those. And dude, dude, Agatha and Agatha Christie's made wrote what? How many Poirot novels? Well, yeah, that Gotta was the thing. Be he was asked about, oh, is there going to be a Poirot cinematic universe? Because you can't say film series anymore. And he's like, well, you know, hey, da, da, da. It, basically, it was if you're going to keep paying me and I can dress up and do all my wacky stuff. I like Kenneth Branagh, but his whole Shakespeare is the ultimate art form, and anything else is lesser. Go fuck yourself, okay? That really, oh, yes. Just this idea that just because this guy came first and had all these ideas in the fifteen hundreds, I'm not saying Shakespeare isn't talented, but this whole idea of if you come first and you have these ideas, you're amazing. Is you, you are not you're amazing, but you're the best because you came first. I, I'm like that's my one issue. I like Canthrana. Like I know I said go f himself, but like. You know, he was uh, he was Miguel in El Dorado, and he was uh, Lovelace in Wild Wild West. So, like, hey, you know, I, I, oh, that movie, the movie, he garbage. was great in that. Jesus though, he God. totally, he oh, did God. everything with his role. Yeah, he chewed this. Yes, 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 yes. he chewed the, all the scenery. Oh my all, God, he chewed it all. But like, Jesus. I mean, that's my problem with him. And by the way, he did make that tub of shit Artemis Fowl that I had to sit through. So he made it. Yeah, he, he yeah, made. He directed it? that movie. Yes. Um, he direct. He also directed Thor. Yeah, he did. Good for him. I mean, he did Cinderella as well. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad director, but no, no. But but thing? his whole thing that Shakespeare. He's this big theater jagoff. Yeah. Who thinks that Shakespeare is? If you're is, not doing Shakespeare, like, you don't know what acting well, is, and it's just. Like, well, but okay. but you know he. But you know he like he made like his, his first big thing was making Henry V. He did that movie, and he was and great. His what, what's he was great in Harry he Potter? Did, too. Didn't he redo? Didn't he do like a four hour version of Hamlet or something like that? That was I'm like not sure uh, he did. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm you know it's just like uh, but yeah. uh, but but listen, if that is sort of the mid grade, it comes out every two years. It, it's going to all be very high quality. Yeah. Because it's Kenneth Branagh, because it's highly polished, the actors will all work for scale or not much more. They'll want to be a part of it because they're nice movies to be in. They will all be fine. Like I said, they get to play, they they get to play dress fine. up and, you know, they get to do yes. whatever. I mean, I can see why it's a fun yes. set because you probably get you get time. It's not like they're, you got to make this movie in 10 days or whatever. It's not like that. Um, they probably get a few months and they, you know, they probably have some crazy parties as well, some crazy rap parties. But uh, it was nice to see Rose Leslie, who played Egret in uh, 
Game of Thrones. I did not. She's so in. I did not pick up on her. I, I saw a lot of uh, Gal Gadot. Russell Brand and um, the makeup. Um, yes. See, it's like I see all the names. The problem is there's so many people in it. You see all the names. Yeah. I'm like, did I see that person? Matt Benning. Definitely saw Army Hammer. Letitia Wright from uh, Black Panther. She's in it. Um, you kind of see her in the background. Um, but yeah, I think we... Yes, yes, yes. I think we... You know, we said what we need to say about Death on the Nile and Kenneth Branagh. Uh, wait, wait, now when is that? When is that coming out? October? Um, I think October. Yeah, I, I think October. So, so that will that is a perfect movie. I will not go to the theater to see it. It is a but perfect movie out, though. No, when it comes out electronically, October that is like they throw it up in your seventy-five inch. October twenty-third, twenty twenty. Let's go see that in Orlando, man. When you come to when you come to town, yeah. uh, twenty twenty. 20 um not 2020 first movie i've seen with the 20th century studios logo since fox was bought by disney it's not 20th century fox anymore it's 20th century so so disney's got that yep that's that is a disney film so uh fifth gate fifth gate uh agatha christie agatha christie land right fifth gate I don't even know what you're talking about. D- Disney owns the rights. Let's get a fifth gate in Disney World. Oh, for, uh, my God. <laughs> Have some big, big statue of Poro's big-ass mustache. Oh my yeah, God. You, you, go, go, you know, ride, I, ride the Orient Express. I will find your killer. I will find your killer. Yeah, and, and um, it, um, um, try to uh, trim Poirot's mustache in under a minute, win a prize. Right. Have these awful midway sort of games. Don't touch the sides. Then... There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so the last last one I want to get to uh, is this controversy with Netflix because they are releasing this French movie called, well, the English yes. translation is Cuties. And they got some accusations about uh, pedophilia. Uh, rightfully so, if you ever see the uh, poster. Basically, the poster was, because they changed it after a lot of backlash, was these, like, 10-year-old girls scantily clad posing like they were doing the female version of Magic Mike. And uh, Well, they're twerking. Yeah, and they're twerking it's about 11-year-olds twerking, stuff, right? and it's a rated TVMA. <laughs> and it's like, what so, the hell? So, so from film. what I've read... French film, by the way. French. The, well, well, you know, they're, they're so cultured there. Yeah. Um, from, but Polanski. but but from what from, from what I've Don't read, Roman Polanski kids. <laughs> from what I've read, oh my god! <laughs> from what I've read, um, the movie actually because it's a movie, right? It's not a series; it's like yeah, a it's show. a movie. And like Netflix came out, the like, movie actually is against. It actually says this is a bad look for these kids to be hypersexualized, which is essentially what they're saying is what's going on. It's just Netflix shit the bed when it came to marketing it because they marketed it like, like it was, um, like it was 11 year old um, girl, magic Mike. Yeah. And we're going to, we're going to find ourselves yeah, and we're going to express yeah. our th- stuff. And it's like, that's not what it is. But then I'm like, okay, Netflix, are you even aware of what you have? Or do you know what you're doing? And you're just trying to titillate or are you, I mean, the world. I, 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 yeah, I mean, at, at best, the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world. I mean, but it's like all the. I, but then all these Hollywood pedophilia people on social media is like they're just doing this because of, you know, the the le- why the what? 
Why were they doing it? No, because you know there are the Hollywood pedophilia rumors and all that stuff, and it's you know. We don't I, need I, it. I, I, I I think I think I think Netflix doesn't know their right arm from their left. They got too much product coming in, coming out. Here's what it's about. Let's create. Let's just do it. We bought the rights to this for eighteen grand. We'll throw it up, and um, you know what? Oh, good enough. Let's do it. And it's I. And th- I I think it's like they're just throwing shit against the wall. They're going to say whatever, you know. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. There's a level of accountability they need to have. It's just like, dude, guys, do you have any clue? Like the sort of folks that are out there, let alone what's going that what is definitely going on in Hollywood. Speaking of superhero movies and all that stuff, I mean, I won't even talk about X Men um, or or stuff like that X-Men. that's happened. Uh, come on, Brian Singer. It's oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I just Kevin Spacey too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm very. Um, you know what, Brian? Nothing surprises me. Well, it's interesting because nothing ne- Netflix comes me. out and they're like, uh, Netflix comes out and they're like, oh, you know, we made the wrong step of this French film that won an award at Sundance. It's like. You could just apologize. You don't have to market your... You should not be marketing your film in your apology about your misstep and what you did in marketing the film. You know, like, Jesus. I mean, just... Oh, my God. There's there's a right way and a wrong way, guys. Really. Uh, but I, I definitely wanted to touch on that because that definitely got a lot of, uh, a lot of traction. That, that seemed to come and go fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. Um... So I do want to say we got a listener question from nice. the last episode. Uh, no, no. Jimmy asked, any thoughts on the subscription models AMC and Regal added? You guys didn't touch on it talking about theater economics going forward and was wondering how you think that will help them with some subscription revenue. I don't know how the big pro- how big the programs have gotten, but they were definitely a response to MoviePass. Rest in peace. Also don't know how profitable they are. He has AMC A-list, pays $20 a month, uh, and he goes uh, in the AMC he goes to is $18 a ticket so they lost a lot of money on him so he would go more than once per month pre-COVID um, so the AMC Stubbs A-list they like just reached a million subscribers uh, mm-hmm. but like they're but their Stubbs members in general which I think is just their rewards system supposedly has like 50 million um, I think it's a nice little model. I don't know if it really makes a dent in what they. So how I, I think the question is, how does that come into play with the movies? So they're collect. I mean, recurring revenue, subscription, recurring revenue is where it's at generally mm-hmm. um, in any sort of entertainment aspect. Um, how does that work for? All right, if you go three times a month, you drop $20 a month, but you get technically um, uh, $60, quote unquote, $60 worth of tickets there. My impression is, as an example, when I go to Costco and I buy two tickets from Costco to go to the Regal Cinema, I'm paying basically $19 or $18 for two tickets, or maybe it's 18. Cause the idea is that Costco kind of subsidizes the difference with your membership. Well, or does it? Because then when I turn that in and I get my ticket, it then comes back and says, okay, nine fifty is what I paid. 
So I say, okay. Oh, you, you, you pay nine. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. You pay nine fifty. Well, on so it's uh, yeah, I got. Yeah, so so th they're recognizing what would have been a regular pay at the box office, fifteen dollar ticket, oh. as me dropping as me spending nine fifty. Mm -hmm. So my guess is, if you're buying a ticket under that subscription period, it's probably a more discount group sort of ticket that it's under, which means it's still going to bring in the money. It's just the that amount of money based upon whatever ticket you're getting, it's just getting split right. with whomever, probably at the lowest at a matinee price. That said, I don't know how they make the economics work. If you go to see three different movies and, you know. Yeah, if you're one of the people I'm sure, that I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are taking a loss somewhere if you go aggressively. I think what they're just hoping for is, look, as long as these folks don't see more than two primetime movies a month, we're making money. And if they don't, we're just hoping we're going to promo them to death with discounts on popcorn and pop and candy and stuff like that. Right. I, I think, I, I think though getting recurring revenue is really important uh, because there is summer season, which is big on movies, but January, February, March, they may not go, but people won't stop having that recurring revenue. And there is some semblance of critical mass that they want to have. I think having recurring subscription revenue is looks better for, um, if, you know, if you're publicly traded, you have recurring revenue. That's, I think that is, you know, subscriptions are where it's at right now. So to be determined, I can only imagine people that had that canceled it and how many of them are, uh, how many of them are really going to sign up again? Um, you know, how long it's going to take for them to get back where they were come, you know, in January, February. Right. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, for pretty much the, I like, I'm sure it probably helps them, but I don't think it's like a make or break thing. I just remember they introduced it once. I remember when they introduced it, it was basically when movie pass was falling fast. Um, and they basically introduced right. it because it's like, yeah, no, you can actually see any movie. And this was when movie pass was taking movies off the service. And was, you know, secretly opting people back in after they removed, after they canceled their membership and everything. When MoviePass was doing some really shady stuff. And then a lot of the customers that were on MoviePass went over to AMC Stubbs. I think, really think that was what it was used for, mainly. And I'm, I'm sure it helps, but I just think it's kind of like, hey, we can make a little more money here. I don't think it was like, hey, this is going to be our new business model. This is what's going to keep us afloat, you know. Uh, but I, I, if if it ever gets to the point where it shows that they are not as profitable with it, it will end. Oh yeah, I mean th this is this this is you know Movie Pass was around for what about eighteen months, two years? It was yeah, it was probably around in that iteration of the nine ninety five a month. It was around mm -hmm. for about eighteen months before it completely went under. So I. I you know what? They will probably never get rid of it. They will just slowly jack the price. So they will probably intro people in really cheap for the first year or two uh -huh. and then slow, slowly ratchet it up. And what will happen is the ticket prices will go up and this will go up a little bit less relatively. So it will always be perceived as a value. So it I, it is, in my opinion, it's here to stay. You just got to be, you know, you got to be the type that goes to movies. The, the one thing I'd say, though, is 
I think it is, uh, it's probably, it's probably a good way to get people to go to movies because to be frank, the last year or so, Ann and I haven't been to too many movies. Same. And, I'm trying to think the movies and, I've been to before COVID. Before COVID, yeah, before uh, COVID, it we was hadn't like, been to too many movies. And and if if by having this subscription, it gets your ass in the seat in the theaters, they're just like shit. We just need people to show up. Well, it's like so even if we got to discount the them. I saw the movies I saw in 2019 when I moved up here. It was like saw Shazam. No, I saw Us, Shazam, Booksmart, Longshot, John Wick 3. Then I didn't see anything for a couple months. And I saw, because Dark Phoenix got really bad reviews, so I didn't see it in theaters. Uh, so and then I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then I saw Joker. And I think, and then I saw Rise of Skywalker. I think that was, those were all the movies I saw in 2019. Um, but did we see, did we see, did I see Rise of Skywalker with you? No. I saw it with Joe. Okay. But. Okay. So. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we saw Rise of Skywalker. We saw Sp- Spider-Man was the last movie we saw. I think. Was Spider-Man this spring or was that before? Last Rise- summer. Maybe we saw. Before the July last, last summer. summer. So, Rise of Skywalker was probably last movie. Maybe we saw one other film. Um, it was- I might have seen something else with Anne that she wanted to, that she was really hot to so, see. Whatever it was. Real quick. Yeah. The yeah. long-awaited. New Mutants coming to theaters August 28th. Finally. August 20th? Uh, what? Like Friday? Yes, it's coming to like select theaters August 28th, Friday. Yeah. I don't know why Disney. And then, I don't know why Disney doesn't just put it on Disney Plus, but whatever. There maybe, are enough maybe, people that will show up. Maybe there are enough okay. people that will show up. Maybe it's actually okay. I don't know. So, horror movie. Foul. It's supposedly horror movie rated R, right? No, That's what they're 13. saying. Oh, I thought it was going to be edgy as shit, like Venom. No, no well, Venom's PG thirteen, Dad. Well, okay, then I thought you it was going to be edgy. You can do a lot with PG thirteen. I mean, Insidious is PG thirteen. You can do a lot with PG thirteen. Okay. Have you seen Insidious? <laughs> the Insidious line is what breaks. It's where if you're on this side of the Insidious, well, no, line, drag me to hell, drag me to hell by Sam Raimi. That yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. And just to give listeners like a uh, look into how long this movie has been in development. So this movie was started filming in 2017. It was initially yeah, it wasn't Ar- It was initially so Aria was like Aria was 12 and now she's 30. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's 12 when- and it's like the girl from Split is you know she's in it and I think you know you know she did that. She filmed that right after Split and Split came out in January of 17. <laughs> uh, but it's like. So this movie was supposed to come out in April of 18, right? So I tore, Fox tore my Achilles Fox. in April of 18. Yeah, it was to come out. Fox. Mm-hmm. Tore my Achilles 18. Healed fully. Healed fully from that. Had a cleanup surgery. Healed fully from that. Although that didn't take that long. That was like two and a half. A year, yeah, but, but dude, it was a year, yeah, a year and a, a half. Year, in yeah, a year I mean, after that. Uh yeah, it was a year and a half. It was 20 months. Then I had the second cleanup, more minor cleanup surgery. Seven and a half months after that, the movie's finally coming out. So that's how long this thing has been in development hell. So um, it'll be interesting to see well, what it's uh, in the kid from uh, the kid who plays Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Byers in Stranger Things. He's in it. He plays Cannibal. 
Which one is which one is Jonathan Byers? Will's the missing kid's older brother. Uh, Winona Ryder's oldest son. Oldest. The, son. He beats up Steve in the first season. The photographer kid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, okay. a, he's actually okay. British. The actor. But yeah. Yeah, so New Mutants. That'll be interesting to see how... I'm interested to see what the reviews are because I don't think reviews have come out yet. So it probably means it's trash. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's probably garbage. So what's, your, so what's the over-under on when it shows up on a streaming service? Uh, I think it'll show up... Halloween? Yeah. Uh, so what, you want to do before or after yeah. October 30th? Yeah, yeah. Who pick? Let, let's let's pick a no, no, no. Let's pick a. Uh, pick we'll a pick. We'll each pick a week. Well, yeah, we'll each pick a date, and whoever's closest, uh, I'll send you a dollar. Uh, I'll so. say October twenty fifth. I will say October thirty first because it's Halloween and it's supposed to be edgy. So I'll say it's after. What day does hold on? Be, what day does Halloween fall on this year? Halloween falls on a Saturday, I think. It'll probably be, be it'll probably be the thirtieth when it'll be released. I'll stick to twenty fifth, I guess, because just say that, just because I already said it. But I think I'm gonna. I'll say it. the thirty first. All right, sounds good. Hang on, let me. I just want to see what day it's a Saturday. All right, October Halloween's a Saturday, so you're basically saying the weekend before. Yeah, but all right, okay, all right, sounds good. Well. Uh, if you nope. if you like the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Anchor. Um, also, you can follow us at inst- on on Instagram at the dot all dot around the all around, or follow us on Twitter at the underscore all underscore around the all around all around podcast, but. Good talking to you. And if you want to follow, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at, at Jim at the Bank, and I'm at G A Thomas thirty three on Twitter, and also at G A Thomas thirty five on Instagram. So, yeah, good talking to you. Think we made a lot of headway. You too, man. Have a good yes, one. we did. Talk about.